Wreath, um, last night I had an experience uh-huh. that kind of is changing the the course of my taste buds, kind of. Okay. I, it's funny to say because I haven't even finished the movie. I, I have like 20 minutes left. I paused it because I was falling asleep. But I watched Star Wars for the first time in a very long time last night. Okay. And I understand now. I understand it. I get it. Really? <laughs> I get the hype. I get I get why people fell in love with that movie. Uh it's weird kind of that I yeah. I'm like all in. I want to watch everything Star Wars right now. Dude, that's that's a, it's so easy to forget that original is just like a tight little banger. It's really good. <laughs> and 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 it's weird too because I also like know the context of like half this movie isn't the way it's supposed to be seen, you know. Mhm. I, that added so much more to me. I was watching it, looked mesmerized, like "Holy fuck, Jabba the Hutt is not supposed to be in this." What? Are, <laughs> like, uh, like, I, I there just are special wish... effects happening. I'm like, that is so totally done. Like only ten years ago, yeah. that's amazing that I'm watching this right now. To tell you, uh, I hope someday, just for like, and I know, like, uh, it go, it kind of goes against my whole like we should protect the vision of the artist, you know, the vision of the director or what the writer director or whatever thing that like, I hope that the version of star Wars that George Lucas hates comes out someday. I, I mean, like I said, the one day of me diving into star Wars, cause I've never done it before. Uh-huh. I so badly want that to happen. I want to see the original the version. So fucking bad. I want to see it so bad. Oh gosh, this is like the, the rest of the main restoration that we have from like I forget what the internet group is called, but they like got it from a Spanish dub <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, and that's like the best quality one that they could find, and they got it for free. Like somebody donated it to them. So and, imagine the one that's in the Library of Congress. Like, oh hey, release God. that. <laughs> yeah, let show us, me that. Damn it, let us see. We it. should run for Congress just so we can watch. Just that. so I could see that shit. Yeah. Like thinking about it now, because today, like I was just seeing shit about Book of Boba Fett and just being like, fuck this shit. Who is watching <laughs> Star Wars? This is kitty shit. <laughs> this is for children. But like just thinking about it now, like the moment of Luke, like looking at this, the dual sunset or whatever, it's just like, it's just movie magic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And Empire is even better. I mean, excited exactly. <laughs> the fact that it gets better is yeah. fucking batshit crazy. And then me. Return of the Jedi gets a little worse, but I I still really like that one. Yeah, it's uh impressive. Uh, I don't know how much of that opening I'll cut out. I'll probably start it at Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, d- welcome back to Stargazing. This is the this is a podcast about movie stars now. Yeah. Back uh, to we, it. Yeah, <laughs> we. Uh, you know, what we talk about their movies, their careers, how they've changed with the times and how they haven't. And, you know, what exactly it is about these cultural icons we love and hate so much. And this is our first series like this, where that we're, we both want to do more of, I think. 
where we examine the collaborations of a director and actor. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a, a lot of talk about like a director's line of work or an actor's line of work. But like, I think the way those two like overlap is, um, I mean, you just get some bangers. <laughs> you know, we're talking. Yeah, because some, some, some directors get on the same superstar level as uh-huh. an actor. Yeah. And um, Spike Lee was once on that level. To the point of like, yeah, like uh, it's hard to imagine Robert De Niro becoming popular without Martin Scorsese, you know, and vice versa. Yeah. I Maybe the same thing could be said for Denzel. That's a little harder than Denzel and Spike Lee. It's it would have happened regardless. Yeah, it, no, it would have. Yeah, Because <laughs> that's the thing. They're just like, they're coming. I was thinking about while watching this. Is it like they're both kind of coming in at like such different points in the to this one oh we're talking about denzel washington and spike lee by the way this is yeah <laughs> this episode's on their first time collaborating together uh mo better blues yeah and i was just thinking about how like i don't know i i'm gonna double check denzel washington's like filmography it's like they're coming in at such different points in their career because like for example you know spike lee this is his follow-up to do the right thing his right. fourth movie, his fir- fourth, fourth feature, it, insane. Yeah. yeah, it's like, <laughs> and 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 it's even crazier that this is his fourth movie, mm. and it's still like a diverse filmography. Like, no, he did, yeah, she's got to have it, which is like kind of a weird comp, like sex comedy uh-huh. in a way. School Days, which is also like a sex comedy but it's more like woke kind of now well and it's also like it's from what i know about it, it's like borderline a musical isn't it school days it's filmed that way and it is basically a musical yeah yeah uh and then do the right thing you know this revolutionary uh movie that is also like doubles as a political statement yeah and, and it's also like clues. yeah just tonally like you know, she's got to have it, which I started watching uh, last summer, but I never finished. But it's like, uh, you know, it's like a real cheap, low budget movie, but it has a very like, I don't want to I like kind of gritty down to earth, like low. Yeah, it's it's feeling. black and white, isn't it? Yeah, it's black and white. Yeah. Well, like do the right thing is very heightened. It's, it's sophisticated. Yeah. Well, it's also like these characters are like larger than life, but also still like feel very like. Yeah there's some analysis of do the right thing that's like it's almost like a fairy tale in a yeah way. like you know you're right a fable and 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 school days uh like the way that it's made it's it's like a musical uh that's so grand it's also a comedy mm. as well yeah um and like you said she's got to have is like this super uh amateur filmmaking type of movie mm-hmm. and it you know uh it surprises audiences and critics alike so they let him make school days which is way more bold um <laughs> it's this and he's doing and this is his second feature he's doing crane shots he's doing all this insane <laughs> shit yeah it's so um this is something i talk about all the time on this show because i love when like a director has their first like big hit or like their first movie's a hit and so for the second one, they get more money and they're like, okay, I'm going to do something weird. Yeah. Like, and then do, <laughs> and he, Spike Lee does it movie. twice. Spike Lee does yeah. it twice. Like she's got to yeah. have it. He's like, I'm going to make school days and then do the right thing. You know, snubbed at the Oscars, but like easily the most important movie of 1989. And like, 
Probably like, and I mean, it was nominated regardless. So, oh, it was. Oh, it was. Well, it, was well, it wasn't nominated for picture. I fucking oh, obviously should have won. It was yeah, screenplay and supporting actor. Right. Like, and it's now like it's it's listed. It's like and, like the one widely agree that it <laughs> is one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. No, it's what I'm just saying. It's funny. Is like the thing I'm talking about. You know, like a director following up their big hit with just something much weirder. Or like such a zag, it's like and Spike Lee does it twice in his like because after Do the Right Thing, it's like you just made like the most important American movie of the past thirty years. You know what are you gonna do? And he's like, I'm just gonna make a really intimate movie about jazz. Yeah, well, that's the thing too. He keeps doing it his entire career. He does it. And the year after this, he does Jungle Fever. Yes, which is uh, I cannot say I've heard a lot of good things about Jungle Fever. And then. And then what? Two oh, years I might be thinking does of, fucking Malcolm X. Yeah, like the year after Jungle Fever. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I got confused. I've seen some people defend Jungle Fever, but it's she yeah, hates she hate she hate me is the one that people don't like. Never heard of that one. It, oh, okay, interesting. I'm not gonna look further into that. <laughs> no, yeah, Jungle Fever. A lot of people cite it as being like very forward thinking. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, Malcolm, like, God, he has so many movies. Yeah, he does it throughout his entire career, and it's amazing because it seems like he's still going to keep doing it. Like, he does the Five Bloods. uh, That same year, he directs a fucking musical that comes out on HBO Max. Yeah, David Byrne, yeah. That's insane. And now he's going to do the fucking Viagra musical that he's writing. And he also does documentaries. Like, he does, has... Mm. Uh, I forget what it, it's like when the levees broke I think and it's like considered like the definitive documentary on her yeah. and Katrina uh, it won I'm pretty sure that won like a lot of awards yeah and then like he does the remake the English remake of old boy like he oh my god <laughs> he swings he well, yeah, swings yeah he's a hard filmmaker to pin down you know he's always yeah. trying something new I feel like yeah which is gonna make this like, I mean, you just look at the four movies we're talking about in this series. You've got like Mo Better Blues, which is like a fictional, like heavily musical love story almost. Uh, Malcolm X, which is like this like grand, like retelling of this, of a person's life. It's an uh, epic. It's an epic. Yeah. It's like three and a half hours, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And then He Got Game, which is, I think, a sports drama. I could be yeah, it's a, and it's also a Disney movie. What? Yeah. Oh, is. Touchstone Pictures. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then obviously, like you said, yeah, his and then his last collaboration. So like with Spike, I mean with Denzel is Inside Man, which is what it's like a crime thriller. It's a thriller, right? yeah. It's a thriller. There's a wide variety just in the sampling we have. Well, that like that's all just to say that's where Spike Lee is at this point in his career, like kind of hot shit, you know? Yeah. But, and it's kind of weird too, because like, there's only like, you know, big directors, there's always like, Oh, that was after this movie. That was after this moment with Spike Lee. It's only really two moments. It's, Oh, that was after do the right thing. Oh, that was after he finally won an Oscar. That's it. That's yeah. all we have of, for yeah. Spike Lee. Yeah. With Spike Lee, there's like this weird, like middle chunk of movies like, I'd argue in between, like, 25th hour. Like, I don't know. He has a lot of, like, stretches of, like, movies 
that don't kind of don't exist. Yeah, you know? yeah. But it's like, weird to say, but you're right. That is yeah. the right way to put it. Uh huh. Like pretty much everything he made in between Inside Man and uh, Black Klansman is like, what the fuck is? It's like, what the fuck is Red Hook Summer? Miracle yeah. of Santa Anna? Like the sweet know? blood of Jesus. The fuck? I know is that's the, the name of one. Yeah. Uh, who's in that one? That's like a uh, newer one. That's 2014. Yeah, Rami Malik. <laughs> yeah. My point is that's where um, Spike Lee's at in his career. Denzel, I feel like this is um, the year after Glory, which I hope I'm not like misguided in saying is like what I feel like really put Denzel on the map. Like, and I. Yeah, I think he's not. Does he win best supporting for that? Or um, I'm not sure. Let me find it real quick. Yeah, he okay. Yeah, this is the year after he wins best supporting actor for Glory. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm not super familiar with like this era. Of oh Denzel, my you know. And like the movie, he would even even in between. Then there's another movie that comes out. It's called Heart Condition. Yeah, and it's like a comedy. Yeah, I, I, oh my, I. Listen to the fucking synopsis. A bigoted policeman is given the heart of a slain black defense lawyer who returns as a ghost to ask the cop to help him take down the men who murdered him. Denzel Washington plays the ghost. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, to Just my whole thing is like, and I'm curious to see like... There's like a lot of oh my god he's has so many just bangers man fuck I'm just looking at his filmography right now, um, yeah, but like I feel like Glory is like what puts Denzel on the map like gets him into like really like you know like people's attention I guess, but like my argument and there's a lot of different moments in his career that could argue against this and I admit that, but I think the moment that Denzel Washington becomes Denzel. Washington is the King Kong ain't got shit on me part in day training day. I feel yeah. like training days where he becomes like goes from Denzel Washington, the beloved actor and performer to Denzel Washington, the movie star. Yeah, I agree. Right. You're right. I, I think so. Seriously. He, he did training day the year after remember the Titans, which is kind of funny. To me. Cause he, I mean, he has like plenty of, other like classics in between yeah you know like but, i mean there's like malcolm x pelican brief philadelphia crimson tide like a bunch of bangers don't get me wrong but i i don't yeah i mean i don't think i've seen enough of these movies to say completely agree but yeah that's I mean, that's, that's that's the i think like you ask anyone they're gonna say training day right yeah like because like hey what's like, your favorite denzel training day yeah because even Malcolm X, which is like arguably his best performance, mm-hmm. my weirdo contrarian opinion is that I think Deja Vu is his best performance, but that's. Uh, I mean, I, I love him in Taking of Pelham 123. I'll say that much. <laughs> I love him in that. It is and such a weird, geeky it, performance that he's doing. That's the thing about Denzel, though. And we're probably going to be reiterating this across this entire series. But he's one of those actors that's just as good in, um, let's see, Remember the Titans as he is in Malcolm X, you know? Yeah, he's one of those actors. He's one of those actors. 
anytime you're watching him, you're completely enthralled in the screen. Even when you're watching um, a black and white square movie about <laughs> uh, a set, it's, and it's a Shakespearean tale, you yeah. can't help but like be like, damn, this is like one of the best performances oh my God. in a while. <laughs> yeah, he's so fucking good in Macbeth. Holy shit. <laughs> He's really fucking good in it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny because um Moise and I uh we saw um we, we we've been talking about the awards, stargazing awards, uh February 5th, you know, keep or fourth, keep an eye out for it. Um <laughs> we were talking about it because uh we saw licorice pizza uh in w- one night, and then like the next day we were gonna go see uh uh tragedy of Macbeth. And we came out of Licorice Pizza like, I think Cooper Hoffman might be my favorite performance of, you know, my best actor pick. And then like we came and then the next day we saw Denzel and Macbeth. And like, I don't know about you boys, but I came out and I was just like, it's got to be Denzel, right? (laughs) I came out of it thinking like, okay, if they picked Denzel, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Like, uh, (laughs) it's probably going to be thinking of it. It's like there's no fucking way Cooper Hoffman's going to win. No fucking way yeah. he win. Um, and honestly, he might not get nominated. Who's if I'm the... being honest, who are they going to give it to? Benedict Cumberbatch. You think so? I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be mad at that. He's that's a no beautiful I, that's performance. A, really, a really good great performance. performance. Yeah, like um, either him or Denzel. As... Like that. Yeah. Those are the two who I see him giving it to. Uh, I can see him giving it to Will Smith. Honestly. Oh fuck! No, please don't. Please not, don't. Not, not even. Please don't. He's good in King Richard. He's good, but come on. Yeah. No fucking way. Do not give that to him. We need to start preparing he'll ourselves give, for he he'll give us a good performance. He'll give us Oscar worthy performance in three years, I'm calling it. Within the next three years, he's, he's gonna give us that that one. He's gonna and he's gonna get robbed. Nice. I'm trying to like okay, I'm gonna bring up like the front runners because I am curious about this. Cause and obviously I can't say my pick because I don't I like I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, don't spoil it. <laughs> He, that's the only thing I'm like pretty sure that I, I know who my pick is. Okay, so right now, oh God, one of these is like, a, this is like a variety. Oh com, this is Variety.com's oh oh predictions. Oh this is Variety.com's predictions. And like one of these is so stupid that it's Without like, oh, Caprio. no, it's oh, okay, like, good. oh, well, of course, that, that's probably accurate. That's probably what the Academy is going to do. The predicted, like their number one rank is Will Smith for King Richard. <laughs> okay. Okay. Andrew Garfield for Tick Tick Boom. I'm gonna watch that tonight, probably. You think so? You will? Yeah, I'm gonna watch that. It's good. It's pretty good. I. It's a, is it a musical or? Yeah, it's a musical. Okay, okay, okay. Um, he's he's good in it. Like it, you know, he's good. <laughs> like it, but that is like again, like it's based on a true story. He's playing a real guy. Like you know, they like that shit. Same thing for King it's, Richard. Yeah, you're right. Ben did come and match for Power of the Dog. Uh, Denzel for Macbeth. And then this is the dumb one. Not the dumb, the silly one, in my opinion. Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. That's the one that's going to win. They're, they're going to fucking right? give it to him. Probably, right? They're going to give it to him. If not him, then Will Smith. I'm not watching that movie. That movie doesn't exist. <laughs> and then they're like, they're next in line is like, that is uh, Bradley Cooper for Nightmare Alley, Nicolas Cage for Pig. Leo for Don't Look Up, Cooper Hoffman, Licorice Pizza, and then Peter Dinklage for Cyrano, which is a movie that doesn't exist. It looks like, why are people, why do people want to see that? It doesn't look good. Cyrano? 
it looks boring as fuck. It does. Yeah. It looks so boring. I like Peter Dinklage, though. It looks so boring to me. It looks mad yeah. boring. I like that play. Did you have to read that play in high school? No, I didn't. Uh, I like that play. It's so weird. This ranking, fucking Daniel Craig in No Time to Die is higher ranked than uh, uh, Oscar Isaac in the card counter and Simon Rex in Red Rocket. I, yeah, there's no way anyone like Simon Rex or would win. Um, yeah. I could. I feel like I that's, could see Oscar Isaac grabbing a nom. I could see him getting a nom. Dude, can we get him for best supporting for uh, Emperor Duke Leto? Yeah. yeah, fuck. I need to bring up, because to me, like I, I'm not as invested in the best actor race this year. Best supporting is like really where my heart is this year. I, uh, I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but like I just... Don't I don't want to spoil it, but at the same time, I want to say it to get it off my chest. Just like, get it off your chest. What are you thinking? Because it might change. We got another month. If, if Alana Haim doesn't win Best Actress, I'm going to be like pissed off for a long time. At the Oscars? or if Yeah, if she doesn't win or if, um, I, I'm sorry, Rachel Zegler, that's her name, right? Yeah, yeah. For West Side Story, don't win. If either of them don't win, I'm going to be pissed for a long time. Yeah, like a very long time. I'm gonna be angry. With, I'll be. I'll agree with the concession that I would also like Jodie Comer to win. But for there, the last it's duel. not gonna win. She's not gonna win. I don't know why that one's not being nominated. It's boggling my mind. It's really good. That performance is really fucking good. This made me really sad. I'm gonna stop looking at Oscar nominations after this. But um, for the best supporting actor race. By far, my favorite performance of the year, Jeffrey Wright for the French Dispatch, is coming in at 19. That makes me so sad, Moises. God damn. A, I mean, Mark a, Rylance for Don't Look Up is ranked higher than him. What the fuck oh are we doing? Oh my God. That's, what is happening? Uh, uh, what is happening? What are, the, what, are the, what are the five spots for number one? Oh, yeah. Right. Are um, Cody Smith McPhee for Power for of the Dog? Power of the Dog. Okay, yeah. I understand. Not, uh, not for me, but okay. Yeah. Troy Kotzer for Coda, which I've heard is good, but I haven't seen. CR and Hines for Belfast. Uh, Bradley Cooper for Licorice Pizza. And then get this. You think he's going to get nominated for that? Really? I don't know. They like Bradley Cooper. They love Bradley Cooper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And then uh, Ben Affleck for The Tender Bar. Oh, I thought you were gonna fuck. Not the one he should be nominated the for. The tender bar? What the fuck is that? Oh. Okay, I, I said I wouldn't do this, but let's bring out the best actress. Because fuck it, why not? I'm not even gonna nope. Nope, not even gonna read this out loud. Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go look it up right now. I'm gonna go look it up right now. The good news is Moises, your girl Case Stewart makes it in. Uh after this, we should get back to talking about Mo Better Blues. Okay, let's start. Let's start it up already. I can. I'm fine. Okay. Um. So. Okay. So just to, there's no good segue back to it, but Mo Better Blues. We kind of got lost in the tangent talking about the Oscars, but the point is like, I think it's a weird like I don't know like it's just this weird point in <laughs> not point like they just had two kind of these like different stages in their career like. Spike Lee is in this very strange position of like already being a household name and he's like barely 30, you know? Oh, what did you read? What, what that you list, like? that top five is mind boggling. Deranged, right? 
Our our girls, Alana Heim and Rachel Ziegler, I, they're near what? the top. They're near the top, but they don't crack the I, top five. I haven't seen it yet, but it is so funny that the Oscars are so fucking gullible that they <laughs> they that they actually might nominate Lady Gaga. That is mind-boggling oh to me. Mind-boggling. I haven't seen Hasaguchi. I'm saying that out loud, but still, that is so funny. Um, that I, will prove that you have to run. Like, you uh-huh. have to run for yeah. Best Actress. If not, it's just, not it makes me so sad. That, that, wow. Like, you know, that, it's so clear. Uh, have, just want to be clear. Haven't seen Lost Daughter, but by all counts, Olivia Coleman's fantastic in it. Yeah, but I'm sure she is. A lot of those other, like the Nicole Kim and the Jessica Chastain and the Lady Gaga, those are like, of course, those are like the performances the Academy loves. Yeah, it's so funny. It is so fucking funny. Um, <laughs> and maybe, maybe we'll all around get a victory and just like let Christian Stewart win. Like, if I, I think if that happens, look, everyone for- will be happy. You know, we'll all be satisfied if Christian Stewart wins. I'll forgive the Academy of all other transgressions they commit this year if Dune gets the best picture trophy. That's all. Do it for the do it for us. Dude, Dude. it's the people's choice. It's the people's choice. It is. It really is. There's some people saying no way home is the people's choice. And I disagree because Dune I, I, is I disagree as well. Dune is the people's choice and it's the fucking film nerd's choice. When we snobs when and we, audiences alike agree on Dune. When we get to the Stargazing Awards, February 4th. February fourth, right? Uh-huh. February fourth, guys. Just letting you know, reminding you. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm actually. I might just write a speech about Dune. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I have so many thoughts about that movie. I want Dune is what Hollywood needs. Yeah, I want um, Jason Momoa to um, when they when they, when the whole cast goes up there to get, accept the Best Picture award. I want like Jason Momoa to do the House of Trades salute, like with the Oscar, just like that. You know. <laughs> I want. I'm gonna be very excited when Jason Momoa is like seen reacting to something at the Oscars because I'm watching the Oscars. Like, you know, when they show his can because he's getting nominated for Best Supporting Actor, I, I can't wait to see his when reaction. When Pete Davidson hosts and goes, "Dune, more like doing your mom," and it <laughs> Jason Momoa going, "Oh, can he say that?" <laughs> Uh, fuck it, Jason Momoa should host the Oscars this year. Yeah, fuck it, why should. not? Why not? You see him and uh, he's getting divorced. Oh, okay, Kellen, we've been talking about. Something. Okay, so yeah, we got we got to get back to Momoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kellen just—you guys can't see this. Kellen just got comfortable in his seat and then said that about fucking Jason <laughs> getting divorced. <laughs> Okay. He was ready to talk about that for 30 minutes. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. We've already been going for so long. <laughs> We've been going for like an hour almost. Holy yeah. shit. Half of this is going to be cut. Jesus Christ. This is this is what happens okay. when we have a delay. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We take a week off and it all falls apart. So. Oh my god. That's anyway, funny. anyway. Um so Mo Better Blues is um, the story about it's about this um, jazz trumpeter named Bleak Gilliam, played by Denzel Washington, who is struggling to balance his ambitions in his career with the decisions he's making in his personal and romantic lives. And that's it. Right. Is that? Yeah. yeah. It's um, interesting to watch this knowing we're going to watch Malcolm X next week because that movie has such a wide scope you know 
it covers an entire lifetime. It's like three and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. And this movie is like a chapter. Like, yeah. It's like a character study. It's like a slice of yeah. life, you know, Moises, I think you might have more to say about this movie. So you, you, I'll let you go off. Um, I think I was just like, with i was like really impressed what he did with that like source material like you said it's a slice of life and somehow he like made it feel like like all the spike lee movies he made it feel like a fairy tale like this grandiose super bright um fairy tale even though it's like so sophisticated and mature because you watch a movie like this and you're like oh this is made by like a veteran no, this was made by like a young filmmaker, just barely getting in his prime, um, like fresh out of NYU, like fucking he, still learning the craft. He is 33 when this movie comes out. Young for a filmmaker in Hollywood. Absolutely. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially in the 90s. Um, yeah. And I, I think every time I watch a Spike Lee movie, which I've I've watched a handful of them. Uh, I'm still like surprised. Yeah, like I'm still absolutely surprised that somebody could do this uh, with like such a simple story, such a raw feeling, and they all feel so different. All his movies feel so fucking different. It's amazing. It's like um, I feel like, and this is because I guess like I, you know, keeping track of it on Letterbox, I've only seen this is the seventh movie I've seen by him of I like uh, of like, you know, a lot more. He's made like 20 something. Like we said, he's made a ton of movies. You know, a lot of them <laughs> don't really exist. But I feel like every movie I've seen by him, it's like a new angle to him. Mm-hmm. In a way. Like he said, it's like every movie I'm like, oh, he can do this, you know? One thing I feel like Spike Lee is like unfairly accused of a lot is being like an angry filmmaker, Uh which is like, don't get me wrong. There is like certainly like, you know, an anger to his work. I don't I think it's underrated. Like, I don't know. Like every time I watch one of his movies, like Inside Man excluded, like I just want to (laughs) cry. Like there's such a sadness to his movies in a way. Like Do the Right Thing is to me just like a very sad movie. You know, same thing with like Black Klansman or, oh my God, 25th Hour, you know. I think I, I I landed on the word. I think Spike Lee, he doesn't get enough credit for like how empathetic of a filmmaker I think he is. Mm. Um, m- my reasoning, like the thing that makes me think this is like, um, oh God, I'm blanking on the character name, but John Turturro's character in Do the Right Thing mm-hmm. is a violent racist yeah but he still feels like a person like the kid you know same thing goes for um uh the the his father god i have not seen that movie in a while sal sal of course yeah fuck (laughs) um sal you know is like uh like flawed and like this is apparently of, of some debate about the movie but i think like kind of also kind of a racist dude like but like they still feel like people you know i don't know it's hard to explain like uh i just think he's like such a like empathetic uh like person behind the camera like you know you can tell like this no matter how like oh god 25th hour also is a great example of this like no matter how flawed or like complex the characters are there's like an element of care 
that he seems to have for them, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They all seem lovable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you watch, you, you, you hate people, you know, you hate them. Like at the end of the movie, you hate Sal, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're, you're starting to hate him. Yeah. But you still want to give him a hug. Yeah. Like you're like, ah, I can still give that guy a fucking hug. Like he you're like, you know, hug. you know, like Mookie's like kind of a bum father, you know, like yeah. he always argues with his girlfriend. He's like not, but you still like are like you, you just want to give that's a great way to put it. You just want to give everybody a hug. Yeah. I, I, maybe he just makes movies about people that need hugs, like the best filmmakers do. Damn, yeah, you're right. And then like it, it is it's so like I guess that is what I get from all Spike Lee movies. It's so mind-boggling that he can make this and it's his fourth movie. Yeah. Like to come out into theaters and he makes something that powerful and knows how to write and knows how to direct actors so powerful. Uh, yeah. They like just like again, like uh, we talked about this before with like Spielberg or whatever, just like confident behind the camera, you know, like there's yeah. just like the feeling of like, oh, he knows exact like he knows where to put the, the thing, kind of. Yeah. Um and, and and there's so much of like his flavor to it, like still yeah. like there's so his identity it's the dolly still, shots, you know. The, yeah, exactly. It, the, his identity is still so so ingrained in like the movie, the the movie making. Mm-hmm. His fucking dad did the score, like just yeah. like his, his dad helped him with most of his uh-huh. scores. Um, and the intro, I think, is like probably like some of the most spikely shit in oh, the yeah. movie. Yeah, feels sure, like yeah. such a Spike Lee like moment mm-hmm. where it's just like a kid and it's like obviously establishing this is the kid we're gonna follow like obviously you know yeah. what the movie's about yeah the little kid playing on his block you know yeah and it's like it also like kind of like is um uh in the sort of um uh the like in the entire the core of the movie in like uh a micro awesome but what's the fucking word no, yeah, that's the right word. Yeah, microcosm. Like, it's just like the balance between personal life and personal connections with what you want to do and yeah. what you're good at. You know, yeah. like the the struggle of the artist, I guess. Kind of an age old conflict, but because he's like a player, and that that's what starts the conflict in the in the movie. Like, he's a player. He loves women, um, but um, halfway through the movie when you start to really see the conflict between all the women and just like the relationship and his band, you like figure out. And I did too, where it's like a light bulb. It's like, Oh, he's in love with music. Like yeah. he, that he, he, he can't love another human being the way he loves making his music. No, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's probably the same for Spike Lee. That's what I was going to say. It's interesting that this movie comes right after like easily the biggest success he's had so far in his career yeah but like yeah it's and it's like something like um like oh gosh i hate to compare it to no i i i can't <laughs> i i was going to compare it to la la land but there's really no comparison to make beyond both movies involve jazz and like have a similar conflict internal <laughs> conflict but <laughs> no but it's like something i think about a, like a lot and just into like you know like I don't know what your experience was with uh, film school Moises, but like a lot of like, it, like just like a lot of what professors or like professionals at school have like told 
tell people is like, yeah, you're going to be grinding, working from job to job. You know, you don't know when your next paycheck's going to come in. You got to do all these little small gigs, work your way up. And like, I don't know, there's a part of me that's like, uh, do I, can I start a family somewhere in there? Like, mm. <laughs> like, could I get married? You know, it just like that balance is something that um, definitely doesn't keep me awake at night. Yeah, but the, the theater, and I mean, if anything, this movie does speak so much more to it because at the end of the movie, he has a fucking kid. He has a family. No, yeah, he yeah. gets a family. It's a much happier ending than like Whiplash, you know? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Holy shit. Maybe uh, we should start do start doing comparisons to Whiplash, if anything. Oh yeah, uh, Miles Teller has tr- injures himself playing the drums, while Denzel injures himself fucking macking on some some babe, you know. Holy fuck! Yeah, that scene too. <laughs> he's making out with the girl, and he's like, "Oh, don't bite on my lip." Um, something I want to say before I forget, like you saying, Bill Lee did the music <laughs> for this movie. Uh huh. Uh, maybe like remember um, that Spike Lee's sister uh, plays one of the girlfriends in this movie. I the forget. girl with the hair. Yeah, that's she's in so like all of his movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Joey Lee. She plays his sister in Do the Right Thing. Yeah, like yeah. wow, I never knew that. That's so cool. And it's like um, it, it does feel like uh. If I, without like, if I had a guess, like, just because, like, I mean, almost all of his movies are composed by uh, Terrence Blanchard, who I mm-hmm. believe they were roommates when they went to NYU. I could be wrong. Did he go to NYU? Okay, he did graduate school at NYU. Holy shit, he's a communications major. That's funny. <laughs> That's wild. Um, oh gosh, let's see. Um, anyway, like it, and like all of his, a lot of almost every single one of his movies that I've seen has a sort of jazzy soundtrack. So this does kind of feel like a movie about the music that he made, like he grew up with, I think, because you know, his yeah, dad. Uh, well, his dad, yeah, I was gonna say that that too, like all of. All the music in all his movies is like very similar, like such the same vibe. Yeah, I was watching like an interview when this movie was coming out and they asked him like, oh, was this based off your dad? And he's like, oh, no, like, yes and no. Like (laughs) my dad, this is not my dad, but like, yeah, my dad made music when I was living. He was when I was growing up, you know, he was a musician who was in love with his craft. But that's Mm kind of it. But that (laughs) but you would automatically connect those dots. Oh, you, your yeah. dad was a jazz musician. You made a movie about a struggling jazz musician. This is about your dad, isn't it? Yeah. But it's it's just this, like, um, I don't know, this, like, sort of tributes to, like, this element of his life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. This love uh, that he has for music. Yeah. Which, does he do this again? Uh, I don't think so. He doesn't have any more, like, music movies, does he? American Utopia is, like, the only one I can think of. Yeah. And then he's doing this musical scene. Um, but like, yeah. Um, and it's also just like, you know, like we like uh, just to reiterate, I think like about this movie is like, you know, do the right thing. Like, you know, it takes place in like a single block or like a neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. 
but like it has like a very big scope i guess like there's a lot of things going on in that movie same thing with like the movie right after this malcolm x like there's a lot going on or no well he does jungle fever after this movie that's yeah opinion. yeah well yeah i was even because even with this there's only like in reality like three locations that they're at yeah the it's always movie. his apartment or the, the, club. the club or um uh wesley snipes apartment yeah um yeah like this it's you know the I, I it's just interesting that this movie feels so much more personal even though it's like it just i wanted to talk about aesthetically like everything i've seen about this movie i'm like oh that takes place in like the 40s or 50s mm -hmm. but it takes place in 1990 you know yeah it's just interesting that like so much of like the aesthetics of this movie feel pointed to like the 40s or 50s or sick you know like when it like takes place in the 90s like the the club in the music feels like this like kind of place outside of time in the movie mm -hmm. uh like well, it comes with the territory is jazz yeah jazz exactly. in the 90s it reminds me a lot because there's like a similar sort of like seek and oh well i there is like kind of a musical number in malcolm x right like when they go dancing at the club like in the beginning yeah, 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 dude. Spike and, Lee, I'm so glad he's going to make a musical. Like Spielberg got his musical. Now Spike Lee's going to get his. It's still like now that you mention it, this movie feels a lot like the first act of Malcolm X. Yeah, because like the way it looks, uh -huh. the way yeah. it sounds, like the way it's filmed. Whole, yeah. I just noticed that because I mean, speak when we get to Malcolm X, like which is next week, but like, yeah. That movie is mind blowing the way God, that there's yeah. three movies in that one movie, basically. It's crazy. It's oh my gosh. It's such a like, I don't know. It's like Malcolm X, I don't think we talk enough about it, is like the filmmaking equivalent of like evil can evil jumping 12 buses, you know. <laughs> Just into like what it's that it's not only able to pull off what it pulls off, but it does it so well. Uh, but, but also like the first act of Malcolm X and this movie also have Spike Lee playing Denzel Washington's best friend, which if I was uh, a well-renowned writer director, I do the same thing. I'd cast myself as Denzel Washington's best friend. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they're best friends still. Yeah. I wish I took notes during this movie. I'm kicking myself because I didn't. Well, I, that was my review. Yeah. You remember? It's just your I notes. I just posted my notes. No. Um, oh, but this, uh, Okay. I want you you say what you're gonna say. I mean, I say it a lot because it's true. Like it's well, two, two, I guess two main things that popped out to me like a lot this time, which they always pop out in Spike Lee movies. The editing and the lighting are both mm -hmm. like every time I see a Spike Lee movie, I'm like, is this the best editing I've seen? Is this the best lighting that I've ever seen? Nice. Um and then also like it is just like both on a filmmaking perspective so so much style but then like you know the characters like these motherfuckers got style oh my <laughs> god oh my god every oh i was like oof. uh and it's so obviously well thought out too because like when he puts on his new york mets cap he there it's a scene like it's it, it's 10 seconds of him putting on the cap and like adjusting it uh-huh fucking love it it's so yeah much. it's like a way the like music 
it's like another way he expresses himself. It's like the music, you know, it's like yeah. the way you choose to dress is like how you express yourself. He's always got a nice outfit on. He's always got a nice haircut on. He's always clean shaven. Like, and then it's like, it's jazz, you know, it's cool. It has to be cool. It's fucking jazz. You need to be cool. That's yeah. like the second main element about the fucking artistry. It's there's also just like, um, in ter- I guess it's like, the cinematography and the production design and like everything, like just like beautiful color in this movie. Just mm-hmm. like, like I, I hate to sound like a snob, but I mean this, like, I wish I could see this movie like projected on film. Yeah. Just because like some of like the nightclub stuff, like um, I thought of um, like, there's that scene where it's like, it's really surreal where it's like um, bleak is like, having sex with like his two different women and it's like cutting oh, okay between yeah between them it's like a it's dream like, yeah and <laughs> it's such like a, it feels like a sort of like uh spike lee flourish i guess like talking about like his style and that like he more so than like i think a lot of directors like acknowledges the fourth wall a lot <sighs> not not like breaking the fourth wall but like acknowledging that this is a movie but that <laughs> like um you know like uh like in, the, the the love and hate scene in yeah Dude, I oh think. yeah no that yeah that kind of thing where it's like yeah almost like uh radio raheem starts preaching to the audience you know that seems yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. but like it's denzel like looking back and forth as he gets caught in this lie but like you know his two women are like mad at him and like he's looking back and forth between them and then he looks directly to the camera like to say, it feels like he's saying, like, can you help me out here? Yeah, 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 yeah. He like, it's like he's raising an eyebrow. Like, come on, do something, please. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, do you mind stepping in here, man? <laughs> like, yeah, and you saying that helps it even more for me. Because, like, yeah, a lot of his movies feel only, like, just warm. And I think this movie is like that. It's like only warm tones, really. Like, because of the colors, like, being so vibrant. Yeah, like you don't you don't feel any bitterness in this movie. Really, it's a lot of red and blue. Yeah, except for the scene where he is bitter, where like he's he's um laying on his pile of like CDs and he's like unwinding his yeah. tapes of his own recordings. Mm-hmm. That's the only scene throughout the entire like the entire two hour movie where it's kind of like surprising. Yeah, like the way that that the, this movie it's kind of neutral tones in that scene like just in a yeah. color theory it's like kind of whites and blacks like while yeah. the rest of the movie is like oranges and reds and blues mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um ernest dickerson cinematography who we've actually talked about on this show before because he directed bulletproof back in the same oh, days <laughs> <laughs> and that's a pretty good looking movie too but yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, can you believe in movies just used to look good? Like a movie, a movie. like uh, yeah. I watched a little bit of Rush Hour Two on TV the other day, and it's like, oh my God, the colors in this thing are insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, like um, everything. That's a rant for another day, and it's a topic I don't know a lot about now. But I think uh, the Stargazing Awards are going to bring a lot of rants. Uh, yeah, February fourth. For all it's, you wondering. My thing is, I don't get why TV shows are so expensive when they all look like ungraded, raw log footage. <laughs> I was watching um, The Book of Boba Fett because like, I was at a friend's house and he was yeah. like, hey, I got to watch this third episode. I was like, all right, let's watch it. But in the middle of it, um, 
I was just like, it is insane that shows have the same budget as movies nowadays. It is fucking mind boggling. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes out looking like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Some shots of that, some shots of that show. I'm like, wow, this is impressive. Like, this looks great. I understand. Uh-huh. And then there's other shots where like, what the fuck? It's going on, Robert Rodriguez. What are you doing? <laughs> like, why? Oh my god! Like, they gave you all the money in the world, and you decided for well, this shot. Like, you it's, decided on it's, this it's, set. Yeah, it's also. I mean, you know, I I can't I I can't fault Robert Rodriguez for getting kind of swallowed by the Disney machine. You know, just oh, yeah. Like, who who knows how much of that is like actually directed by him? But it's like, but. Um, I'm That's also a, just might just being an apologist for. <laughs> we're also being cynical. We are yeah. very cynical. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had this thought while working out today, which is like a weird mood to be put in on the treadmill. <laughs> but like, I look at our industry, Moises, and I'm going to be honest. I don't see a whole lot to be optimistic about. <laughs> but, um, I do. You do. Steven Soderbergh's still getting money. Hella money. So that's where I'm so optimistic. That he's little like, is still making movies and he's true. releasing like one a year. Um, good for him. He's like, yeah, just give me a Meryl Streep and an iPhone and I'll get you an HBO Max movie in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I need to watch um, Out of Sight or not with him. Oh, directed. Yeah, yeah, that's the... Uh, 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 George Clooney. Jen- George Jennifer Clooney. And Jennifer yes. Lopez scene. Or movie. Yeah. I've seen, uh, because I was shown in an editing class, I watched that scene with the two of them from Out of Sight a lot. Yeah, they're really good. The best scene. Like. Yeah, because it's, yeah. it's And it's like, we used to have, like, charming people with chemistry in these movies, you know? We, like, and now we have Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. <laughs> Like yeah. I don't that's not, I don't think Jennifer Lopez is like an amazing actress or anything, but she's like charming, you know, in a, in a, to an extent. Yeah. Like this is all to say you couldn't you would have to like hold my family at gunpoint to make me watch Red Notice. <laughs> or did you didn't you I like watched that? It. One? Did you like that one? Um no, I thought it was funnier than I had expected it to be, but it cemented my opinion on Ryan Reynolds the opinion that i've held for years now <laughs> where this is a a, a negative oh, Ryan Reynolds, where the we're not most annoying actor ever okay yeah <laughs> he's a terrible like it i'm not calling him a bad actor or anything yeah. i had fun watching free guy i'll admit that but watching red notice i'm just like how are we still letting him make all this money? That's going to be Moises' best actor pick at the Stargazing Awards, right? No, it fucking isn't. No, it isn't. No, fuck no, it isn't. <laughs> Hell no. Um, also, speaking of Soderbergh, there's no good... I don't know. This is such like an awkward... I'm so, I want to watch the Magic Mics. Me too. But it's one of those things I don't know if I want to because I have a feeling I'm going to like them. And I'm gonna have to do a really weird like. No, you don't understand when I tell people that I like it. <laughs> it's just I want to watch it with like a party of people. I think. Yeah. Like a bunch of people. I think my mom saw that fellas. opening day. Yeah, I think my mom did too. Maybe. I <laughs> it was so. big with the moms, and yeah. so I I always just assumed it was like you know, you know, 
a male stripper movie. And then, is like, that a? I'm sorry. Yeah, continue. I was gonna say but, something stupid. But then, like, I read it, and it's like, it's like about the recession. Like, Magic Mike starts stripping because of like the 2008 financial crisis. And it's like that's what my mom was gonna go see. I'm thinking right now, like Channing Tatum and Steven should make like three more movies together, so we could. They're doing no, on the pod. They're, they're doing uh, Magic Mike three. Did you not see that? Or no? Wait, are is he in the second one? directed by him no he had oh that's right no he didn't direct the second one i think he may have okay. wrote it or like something but oh magic mike's last dance <laughs> that's such a great title isn't it it's a really good title holy shit <laughs> i gotta say i i might be the only one carrying this torch i just want to throw out there um i'm super excited that Channing tatum seems to be making a comeback oh hell yeah come on it was the year of the pig this year is gonna be the year, year of dog, dog. <laughs> We, what, oh you know, i'm like, excited i'm excited yeah. like he's in that uh like rom-com with sandra bullock again another dying genre <laughs> you know rom- I like- did you see that rom-com with j-lo and owen wilson yes <laughs> i listen i've seen the trailer like five times now i kind of want to see it i kind of want to see it that's the thing it's like I don't know, like, it doesn't look, like, great or anything, but, like, it is the kind of movie that I have been, like, advocating, you know, there should be more of. Yeah. You know? Watching and it, I'm like, this kind of looks fun. <laughs> and I was charmed by the trailer. So it's like, I might go see it. I might. <laughs> okay, so Mo Better Blues. In the grand scheme of things, we just got to know, like, this is what establishes the relationship um it's like a deeply personal movie um mm-hmm. as their first movie together it marks yeah. the first movie together which is crazy again really cool because certain directors wouldn't be able to make this movie with an actor that they're working with for the first time yeah um but he get, I, they just understood each other's language i guess then yeah and spike lee yeah and it's also like um uh, what, okay one thing i want to talk about about the movie like I think like what makes it what made this movie click for me is like the last quarter, mm-hmm. which is like again so sad. It's just so like like you know this. It spends a how hour and a half establishing you know this guy Bleak Gilliam lives and breathes his music, you know, mm-hmm. and then it takes it all away from him. Like um, you know he goes to the club and he tries to play again, but his lips too busted. You know he can't play anymore, and like. I don't know. Like, it's like there are a lot of movies that I guess are like this that are about like ambition and like how far are you willing to go for your craft, you know? Mm-hmm. But I just feel like the way Spike Lee does it here is so much more like subtle than like a lot of those other movies, you know? Yeah. Like, this is so much more subtle than like, I, you know, I, I love Whiplash, but that's not a subtle movie or mm-hmm. something like Black Swan right like you know yeah it plays it like you know he's spike's known for like these like insane like you know flourishes like people are floating it looks like you know like but like he really plays it like which you would expect a movie about music to have a shit ton of those but it only has one time yeah well it also does it um the shot that's my background of him practicing and it's like spinning. oh yeah sorry yeah. yeah you're right the spinning dolly great shot amazing. yeah amazing amazing shot 
It is also one of him, of Spike Lee's character walking. It looks like he's riding a bike. And it's, it's so unnecessary. Yeah. It's, but it's, it just like, I don't know. Like he does it in a way where it's like, yeah. It's like his signature at the bottom yeah. of the page. Like that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Like it is like that. Oh, that's such a good way to put it. Cause it's that, a certified like 40 acres in the mules, Spike Lee <laughs> joint. Like, cause I was thinking about in uh, uh, in uh, the, uh, the Five Bloods, like he doesn't do it till the very end. And it's like, <laughs> it feels like him doing the like, you know, like Looney Tunes. That's all, folks. This is a Spike Lee. <laughs> like a, mm. With this series, we get to talk about what I think is the most insane dolly shot of his entire career in Inside Man, which I'm very excited for you to see, Moises. <laughs> um. I I don't know what's my favorite of his, but I really like the one in the club in 25th Hour. Uh, oh, yeah. That one is, like, really good. Malcolm X one's also, like... Ugh. Yeah, it feels kind of iconic almost, Ugh. you know? Yeah, it's I am ashamed every time I see that sequence. You are? Um, in society and in myself, because <laughs> I'll never be able to reach that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. God, Malcolm X is such another bummer movie. <laughs> we'll talk about yeah. next week. Like, oh, that's such a sad movie. Um, but this movie, you know, like despite like he is like, I I feel like I talked about a lot about like, you know, this how sad I think his movies are, how angry are, but he is like also like like you said, talking about just the look of this movie, like he does have a lot of warmth. I think mm. his work, like you know, this movie does end on like kind of a happy ending in a, a way. hopeful note. Yeah, like it ends like um, uh, like you know, him breaking the cycle in a way. You know, he doesn't like he he almost let this like obsession, you know, you know, consume him, and like he it just it doesn't play it big or anything but he just like you know quietly like no no you can go play with your friends you know (laughs) yeah yeah because this could easily be this could easily be like a a tortured artist Mm -hmm. movie it's not at all that way Mm -hmm. it's not at all that at all Uh, i I don't think it is except for that one little bit that we just talked earlier where it's the he gives up and that's it and that's like a one minute scene and then the rest of the movie it's back Uh, back to the top again uh it's it's, which is something that's annoying in hollywood too yeah we've seen enough tortured artist movies Uh (laughs) enough of them yeah (laughs) we get it you know hollywood's full of them like you know they just love damn and i'm about to go watch tick tick boom so <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just the way he films the musical sequences too is, is great i don't know it's hard to explain but original soundtrack has is like when i was looking up the movie the thing that was popping up the most is that this uh soundtrack for mo better blues pops up on a lot of people's like top 50 movie soundtracks of all time yeah mo better blues pops up quite fucking often the original song that they did for it where Denzel like raps, it's called oh, yeah. like pop top 40 or something really fucking cool song. Yeah, it is. And it like combines like all these like different love songs. It's like kind of spoken word. I was really hoping, I don't know. I feel like Denzel could sing. I just had to have that feeling. I was down. hoping he was going to start singing too. He sings like one line. And I'm like, Oh shit, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
no, I feel like I'm kind of kicking myself, but I feel like I saw this vinyl on on sale at like some store, and I didn't get it because I, I had the seen same it. way. I thought the same thing after watching this. Yeah, like at a half price books or something. Like I feel yeah. like I've seen that before. But like, oh yeah, I'd love to just own this like in like you know play it on my record player like while I'm like sipping coffee, looking out the window, you know. <laughs> Oh, everyone else is like, there's also like, um, uh, Wesley Snipes is also like pretty great in this, um, as the uh, saxophone player, right? Yeah, his name is Shadow something. Yeah. Cool fucking name. Yeah. Um, uh, our, our, our fucking guy, uh, Giancarlo Esposito as like this, like, kind of French obsessed piano player. Yeah, uh, there's this scene where they get in an argument because he brings his French girlfriend into <laughs> yeah. the ward, the room, and right, watching that, it was just like the amount of chemistry between these yeah. four guys is uh-huh. crazy. Um, but like, I feel like um, just in, to kind of like talk about like the legacy of this movie, I, I it's got like a seventy one percent or something on Rotten Tomatoes. I I like I don't want to say it was a mixed reception but like you know the shadow of do the right thing i think is very long mm-hmm. for, you know spike lee at this point yeah yeah thank god hollywood was there to basically fully financially support any project that he had yeah. for like the next couple of years yeah universal it's... universal was just giving him check upon check upon check upon yeah check. yeah it's kind of like uh what we just got done talking about the wachowskis with the matrix even though they're doing like kind of weird more you know shit warner bros is still like hey they gave us the matrix we gotta you know yeah. we gotta yeah. put the bill this is like great like the he he started directing like jordan's commercials and he was starring in them in nike jordan commercials that's crazy he was the face of a whole michael jordan campaign here's the thing, here's the thing. that's how you get a guy like me to buy jordan's though exactly and he's a filmmaker this is a filmmaker we're talking about Uh oh yeah it's crazy um i just wanted to read real quick this is the consensus on round tomatoes for mo better blues and i think this like kind of says a lot of, of like what we've been talking about mo better blues is rich with vibrant hues and denzel washington's impassioned performance although it's straightforward telling lacks a political punch fans expect from a spike lee joint I the biggest thing, like those uh, working against this movie, is that you know people were expecting another do the right thing, mm-hmm. but like you know he, Spike Lee's an artist, <laughs> you know he's not gonna not every movie he makes is gonna be do the right thing. Just like not every movie he makes is gonna be Mo Better Blues. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's something that happens a lot to like younger filmmakers or even older ones like fucking Scorsese can't shake the like oh he just makes mob movie fucking bull, you know sh- bullshit yeah you know like everyone expects uh you know, did you guys not watch the Irishman did you not did you watch the same movie that I watched well, <laughs> that's a mob movie but just <laughs> that, that that's not maybe not the best example because that's a mob movie but like he made fucking Hugo Wolf of Wall Street you know uh Raging Bull like taxi driver silence yeah, of like the last three movies he made, one of them takes place in like the 1400s or whatever. It's yeah. Uh, ah. Well, I, I, that's not what I meant by Irishman, though. Like, 
even that's like that's a that's a mom movie but like you look at that look at the last hour of the movie that's all i'm saying yeah um, that's such but, a um, God. like he made shutter island yeah they were they were marketing shutter island as a horror movie yeah, like, and it kind of is. And it is. And then, of course, like, he does Jungle Fever after this, which, like, I haven't seen, but, like, from everything I know about it, seems more in line with, like, uh, she's got to have it, like, more of, like, a comedy, like, I don't want to say a rom-com, but, like, you know, comedy I, I, with, like, romantic elements, you know? I think it. I think it does have, like, a pretty strong political statement to it as well. It might, yeah. Like, but, secretly. Yeah. Where then, like Malcolm X, I feel like is like maybe like what people are ex- like expecting from him yeah. more. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, it proves, I guess, because that's a hit. Like, yeah. No, yeah. And that movie's big. Uh, again, kind of like Do the Right Thing, uh, controversial for reasons we'll talk about. Probably, just to be clear, kind of wrongfully controversial. Yeah. If, uh, if I get canceled for it, anything on this podcast i might drop some pro malcolm x as a person takes next episode that might give me some i just think he's cool like that picture of him looking out the window of the right i mean it's malcolm x what do you mean he's (laughs) he's a he's a important leader in yeah uh civil rights like i I don't know the fact that it's still a subject of argument is very funny to me yeah oh gosh that's (laughs) there's so much to talk about that (laughs) episode oh my god um yeah i do you have any final thoughts on no better blues i guess i mean i don't think any of us really kind of pointed out that like well i guess we did but denzel washington i think is probably my favorite actor um mm, yeah the best actor in the world probably mm-hmm. <laughs> um and you watch this movie where he's not at all like at the high point in his career or not no. at all like at a in a crazy run of of jobs it's like this is still uh-huh. a 10 out of 10 performance it's like, also yeah perfect it is perfect he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do and it's powerful just you know it's also like i i just said this earlier is like this fe- it feels like such a subdued performance as mm-hmm. well like he doesn't get like you know we talked about like the big oscar moment he doesn't get There's a no moment. monologue or no what is it it's just like Everything he's doing is like microscopic, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why he's fucking the best, you know. That's why yeah. he's good. Um, and I would argue that I think, you know, next week Malcolm X. I think that's a much. I don't. I say showier performance, but I don't say showier as like a negative because it's not. It, yeah. Even then, it's not like it, it is it's, still a low key performance on some sort. Yeah, su- yeah. There is like a and, lot of subtlety going yeah, on. There. Yeah, yeah. Um. And again, seeing the progression of yeah. the character of Malcolm X over and his entire the life, fact that yeah. he has to do this in one movie, insane. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, that's next. Probably week, his best performance ever. Yeah, yeah. you're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anything else uh, before we start to wrap up? We're good. Yeah, we've been recording two hours and maybe. 55 minutes of it no you can leave all the spiel in dude we're oh, it's, we'll good. See. it's good we'll it's see good. oh boy um anyway um uh i think that's gonna do it for uh mo better blues next week is malcolm x and then the week after that uh i'm not sure exactly how we're releasing it but we're gonna do uh he got game and inside man 
just so we could stay in the month of January and not fuck up the schedule even further. <laughs> but uh, there'll probably be like what we've done before. There'll be like two separate episodes just like released over the course of a weekend. Um, and then uh, after that on, um, uh, so uh, Malcolm X on the 21st, uh, he got Game and Inside Man the week of the 28th. And then on the 4th, we're doing um, the Stargazing Awards. And then after that, we're getting into Batman, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to post the full schedule for that soon. I think that's it, right? Or I'm kind yeah. of all out of order. But that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And we'll wrap up as we always do with our recommendations. This could be anything movie, book, TV show, video game, podcast, song, album, park, painting, poem, anything that Moises and I have enjoyed and want to recommend to you. Uh, Moises, do you, would you like to go first or? Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I was like kind of sick like the past, like a week ago, I was pretty sick. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was like staying home, trying not to go out. I watched a lot of movies, but I also started watching, a lot more youtube which i haven't been watching very much recently i found myself watching a lot of it's a twitch streamer his name's i'm sure you heard him ludwig i've been watching oh yeah a lot of his highlights and it's really weird because his content really isn't that good um but i'm still gonna recommend it his name's ludwig on youtube twitch funny guy yeah he does like the just chatting streams that are now like the biggest st- type of streams in the world. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's just weird, kind of like mindless content that I love to watch while I like taking a shit or laying down trying to go to sleep or eating a bowl of cereal. Yeah. Yeah. He does not need a plug, but that's <laughs> what I have. I've been watching that, so I'm going to say it. I was so scared because I thought you were about to have the exact same spirit experience as me <laughs> because last week I, I woke up like not feeling sick, but just feeling like kind of weird and groggy and like tired. So like I just had, I was like, fuck it. I'll just stay in bed all day. And for whatever reason, I felt compelled to use that day to catch up on a uh, five nights of Freddy's lore. <laughs> I need to buy the new game though. I need to buy that game. I'm actually excited for that game. I've never played the first one. Like, I haven't played any of them because I'm a baby. I feel like I should. Like, You know the new game that's out, right? Yeah, I know Security Breach just came yeah. out. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen the memes about it. I don't know. You said that so confidently. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, oh, my God, that lore is insane. It's I just it have is. so much useless knowledge in my brain now. Like, Is uh, that what you're going to recommend? No God, no. no, God, no. No, God, no. I'm just saying, like, I don't know my my social security number, but I do know the identity of the crying child. Like, come on. What the fuck is that about? Um, my recommendation this week is, surprise, surprise, a book. Oh, shit. Yeah. How about that? Um, it's, uh, it's called uh, The Night Circus uh, by Aaron Morgenstern. It's about, um, it takes place in like the late 1800s, early 1900s. And it's about these two rival like magicians, like who are like actually magic, who like as part of their rivalry, they each take on an apprentice and, you know, train them. And when they reach like adulthood, when they mature, they will, those two apprentices will be entered into like this competition and to like a sort of uh, duel with each other over the course of many years that all kind of revolves around uh, this traveling circus. It's this um, 
really cool uh book it's like i i'm i have a hard time like staying focused with books but this one's really grabbed my attention uh it plays with um time like it, it kind of jumps around in time it's told somewhat out of order but yeah it's a cool book and i'm normally not like uh i like fantasy but i don't like reading it but uh this one's like an exception like i've been enjoying this one a lot so yeah that's mine i'm not gonna read that i know <laughs> Intro and outro music will be something from the Mo Better Blues soundtrack. Um, follow us at Stargazing underscore podcast. Uh, anything else, Moises? Um, I slid a note under your door. Um, that's the uh, uh, Spike Lee back to the week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, here week, it is. Next week, um, I heard there's going to be a Denzel Washington effect. But... Oh, that's good thinking. Yeah, we should alternate. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll end as we always do with um, a fact of the week. This time it's a Spike Lee fact of the week. I'll read it for you if you need. Yeah, me. actually, you know, I'm always, uh, I, can't, I really can't make out your handwriting. So do you mind giving it? Yeah. <clears throat> this week's Spike Lee fact of the week is that Spike Lee is six foot five. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That'll do it for us this week. How tall is Denzel then? Damn. He's like 5'11. Oh, man. Must be like perspective then in the movie. It is really, yeah. It is. It is. It is. is. Like what they do with Gandalf and the Hobbits, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm Kellen Kamins. We'll see you next week with Malcolm X.